0: Hi, everyone. Great to uh, be along for another Community Fabric. Um, well, what do we call these things? Conversations, podcast recordings, live streams, whatever you want to call it. We're, we're here um, on um, LinkedIn Live chatting with someone who, uh, let's face it, I'm sorry, mate, I'm going to have to say it. A bit of a legend in the uh, in, in the, the networking space. Um, uh, Duan, uh, Lightfoot, do you want to give us a quick intro, Duan? Great to see you.
1: Hey, you're too kind, Dan. Uh, uh, as many of you know, my name is Dwayne Lightfoot. I'm a cloud networking developer advocate here at AWS. I'm passionate about networking, and I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, it's great, great to have you, my friend, And and, and I'm sure, um, as you say, loads of people know who you are and 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 have followed your journey, I suppose, because you've it's it's been fascinating watching you sort of grow and and go through all of this all of this stuff in in a in the public view as well you know you've put yourself out there from day one right and and it's been really interesting um watching all that happen um, as a as a networking old guy myself um you know i've I, it's it's brilliant to see because you you've really been a fresh a breath of fresh air and, and watching you and the way you engage with with an audience and 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 show people what's possible you know, has, has been a real inspiration, I think. Would you mind giving us a little bit of a background about your your networking side of things? Because obviously that's that's where this started, right?
1: Yes. Um. So my background, yeah, well, I'm an Air Force veteran, and that's kind of how I got started in networking sure. in the Air Force. But during that time, I kind of dabbled in different areas in tech, right, until I really landed in my passion, which is, networking and my first role was the first official world was a network technician. And in that role, I think we, I supported about 40 different buildings, but it was a flat layer two network <laughs> you know, so v, VTP everywhere, you know, version, version two, version three. It was, it could be a nightmare some days, you know what I mean? And so I really yeah. learned a lot about, you know, layer one, layer two, and then kind of transitioning in that role. I set up a whole new environment, but this time I use Layer Three, right. with EIGRP, and so that kind of just helped me, you know, on the trans transition to becoming a network engineer, getting my CCNA. And so after that role, I became a network engineer supporting a very large infrastructure, about three three thousand different locations, mm-hmm. and that was. Oh, sorry, sorry. Know, did you say three thousand? 3000 different locations. Wow, right, okay. But it, th- this is the thing. In in that role, right, we had some traditional networking, but we also had some some locations that were still T1. You know, T1, T, T3, depending on how DS3, how we had the network design. So I had to do a lot of migrations in that role. And that's what kind of introduced me to network automation. You know, if you have to support infrastructure at that scale, you know you may not have the man hours or woman hours you know to support the infrastructure as need be and so automation is going to have to play a role in that and so that's kind of how i got started down this journey in the transition into network automation and i just like that i mean and and this is the point i suppose we
0: followed you through through a lot of that process that, that um the, the learning that you went through in order to get there, and so on and so forth, and I know you've you've mentioned before that that uh, the CCNA kind of kind of changed the way that 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 you you approach your career really, and and um, really developed as a as a as a uh, a man working in tech. Right? It was it was important to you, that important to you. Right. Um, I mean, obviously, you're not now working in. That's pure networking, and I, I'm really interested in this in this transition because you've talked already about about the fact that you've got this, you're rooted in in the classic networking, that you've that you then started looking into the automation piece and and focusing on that and 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 I guess really seeing the benefits of it and understanding why you would why you would need to focus on it, um, particularly when you're talking about that sort of level of scale. Um. How did you go from there
1: to where you are now? That that transition kind of was like, <clears throat> it, it all was kind of lined up. So before I took the role that where I supported 3,000 sites, I was a system administrator. And so in that role, we, we migrated from Windows Exchange to Windows 365. Right. Right. So that was my first kind of experience with the cloud right and then we had this one of our large scale applications where we started beginning to plan to break that down to a microservice so it could be faster scalable um and more reliable right because if one piece of that monolith breaks you know the whole application is down so sure we started rethinking how we would deliver this application and in that process the cloud just kept coming up so there there's sprinkles of curiosity, you yeah, know, yeah. six years ago. Right. And as I transition to different roles, I'm often standing up VPNs that connect to the cloud, right? And I'm wondering, okay, what's on the other under, Yeah, under yeah, you? Yeah,
0: what, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly that, isn't it? It's like uh,
1: that gap, isn't it? I know yes. that I'm connecting to the cloud, yes. what is that thing? what is that thing exactly so that like i said sprinkle curiosity just kept happening throughout my network engineering career and so before i joined cisco in 2020 i was really heavy into network automation and so i started using more apis i started leveraging terraform i started leveraging um docker containers and all these different toolings, and I'm standing up VPN to the cloud, and I'm talking to these de- DevOps engineering teams, and I'm hearing about the application, and the things they're doing, and I'm just curious, but as a network engineer, it's kind of hard to step outside of just doing VPNs to the cloud, <clears throat> because you'll have, you may have a cloud engineering team that just focuses on the VPC side, yeah, yeah. And the infrastructure side in the cloud, you know? And and to
0: be fair, most organisations do ex- have exactly that, don't they? Because mm-hmm. because they've come from a situation where 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 those same people who are probably looking at cloud uh, infrastructure mm-hmm. now were the ones who were doing the on-prem infrastructure, servers, storage, all that good stuff in the on-prem data centres of of old, right? So so I think that's that's a really interesting point that you you've got this these separate silos, right, looking after The different parts of the infrastructure,
1: and 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 as well as you know, it kind of it makes sense because you have different skill sets and different areas of focus on both teams, right? It's like having a security team; you have different areas of focus. And so, what I started doing is just asking questions and looking at tickets that they're working on, and just trying to be a part of the conversation and inserting myself where I can to learn what they're doing, right? And you know that kind of led me to um, just continue being curious, but I, I didn't really make the transition until I got the opportunity here at AWS. Sure, sure,
0: and of course now that's that's opened a whole load of doors, right? I should imagine, and uh, and certainly from the certification standpoint, is uh, it's it's a, a whole new world, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm I'm someone that has always supported certifications. Not because of the benefits that they add to your resume, not because they can help get you interviews, not because they can increase your salary, but because they give you a, a starting point to learn new skills. Like right. They give you this, these guardrails to say, okay, here's what you need to learn in order to do this job role, right? Yeah. And so yeah, don't on path.
0: It's, it's, it's the path, right? It's that thing, isn't it, of going, do you know what? If, if you want to reach a certain level of, of, uh, of ability, a capability, I suppose, in a particular technology, then these, this is the path you need to go to to get there. This, these are the fundamentals. These are the specific areas that you need to focus on. This is the depth you need to go into and so on. And it just gives you all that structure, right? I'm completely with you on that one. I mean, that, that is, is, a, is a long-running debate, obviously, about, about do you do certs, do you not? I think certs are great for that structure um, uh, from a learning experience, right? Some some better than others, but but ultimately, that's if you if you've got the opportunity to use them as as a uh, as the path, then follow that path by all means. I think it's uh, it's yeah, it's a really valid point.
1: Well, um sorry, go on. one thing that I've always done is I focus on certs that are aligned with what I'm actually doing. I don't focus yeah. on things that I'm not doing, and so that helps me, you know, learn more in depth the things that I'm working on, as well as once I pass the cert, realize how much I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's well, that's that, right. So that was a the, that was a joke from from the old CCIE days, right? Was when when you got your CCIE, the whole point was that you just found out what you didn't know, right? That was right. the whole the whole thing, and right. I think that's why. Certainly, the mindset of one of, the, of a lifelong learner is exactly that, isn't it? It's always like, right, I know this now, but think of all these things I've yet to find out, you know. And, yeah. and I think that's that's super important. But you make a really important point there as well. It's not about what you don't, you, what you're not doing. I suppose is going chasing a cert in order to get into a particular technology. Right. What you're doing is supplementing your day to day role. And, yeah. and the knowledge that you've accrued through doing that with the certification process, right? So it's so it's augmenting the process, the learning process, right? Rather than trying to 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 use it to take you somewhere new, right? Really important point because I think that that can be a struggle for people, right? Is is if you're switching to something new without having the context of of what that new thing is? I think what what you've described there. So many of those things ring true to me. The, the, the business of the of the the cloud uh, infrastructure team, um, knowing the cloud infrastructure but not understanding the connectivity, and then the network team knowing the connectivity but not understanding the cloud infrastructure, right. can lead to all kinds of problems, right? Because with if one doesn't understand the other, how do you verify? That they're actually doing the thing you expect them to. You you can't because because one person doesn't know what the other thing should be doing. And I think you you end up with information disappearing down a, a gap between the two, a skills gap or a documentation gap or or just a knowledge gap. And that's the important thing for me to fill in. And I think why we need to get more network folk really appreciating and understanding what cloud means, right? You know,
1: in- you make a great point because if you start in the cloud as a network engineer, or you know, as a cloud engineer, you kind of skip steps on mm-hmm. building that foundation and networking. And I think as a network engineer, where well, you already understand layer one, right. you already understand layer two and how the everything is actually connected. And then once you get to the cloud, now you're just looking at overlays, you know, yeah. you're just expanding on the things that you've already been doing with routing and different protocols, you know?
0: Yeah, this is really interesting. I I, I don't know if you know, we, we had the chance to chat with with Jose Moreno from, from um, Azure um, a couple of months back. And CCIE, super clever guy, you know, he's got loads of networking experience, went to work for Microsoft and he's, and he's gone through that same transition. And, and what he had to do was really almost create his own understanding of the networking aspects of the cloud in order to to pre- present it in a way that made sense to him right yes. and i think this is the this is the key isn't it what you just described there understanding all the stuff that sits underneath is great but but you do get to that point in the cloud infrastructure where it's represented in a way that that doesn't necessarily make in, immediate sense to the network engineer right and so it's it's being able to to create that that understanding of the overlay that makes sense to you as a as an individual based on your experience and i think if you're you're right i think if you've gone through that process of learning networking from the ground up you're so much better prepared for that so yeah yeah, i think that's that's a really valid point that's a good one I'm gonna switch gears a little bit. So so if, if you think about the um from an automation aspect, obviously all of the, the work that you have done up to, to this stage, um the tooling that you would you were using for your automation, I mean what 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 was if you if you could zoom in and say these were the things I was using, what were what were you using?
1: There's a there's a short list, but actually kind of a long list, list because the breadth of knowledge sure. you know that it kind of takes to put it all together. Yeah. But for me, I think learning Linux is like number one. Um,
0: just lot- right. just just on that, actually. Um, Valaine, there's your answer to, to question number one, right? Linux is super <laughs> important, learn it. There we
1: go, go for it, right, sorry. Linux is super important. Um, I'm actually working on some content around like skills you need to learn right now. And so Linux is kind of at the top because when you think about software development, you think about the cloud, you think about IOT devices, you think about, you name it, a lot of the applications front-end and back-end databases, um, web apps, they're built and ran on, operated on, in Linux, yeah. right? So that you as an engineer that's, or a developer is having a strong understanding in Linux is important. Yeah. The next thing is understanding version control. One of the biggest problems I face as a network engineer back in my day <laughs> <laughs> is device configuration. Yeah. Like version control amongst the teams. You know, somebody will create, okay, this is the source of truth of what everybody should be using to script routers and switches. This will get passed amongst the team. It's supposed to sit on the file server or something. Somebody will edit it. They become different versions of copy, which yeah, one is yeah, the real yeah, documentation yeah. or the real diagram. So understanding the version control with git github like that's sure. just important from a um a source of truth aspect in in a machine team, but yeah. as far as managing your code, same thing applies
0: yeah yeah no, absolutely and in terms of um, of the coding um uh, just give me a flavor of what the what the sorts of tooling that you would have used. Let's say pre-cloud. You know, if you if you were automating an on-prem environment,
1: what would you have used? My, the tool that I saw with, and the tool I kind of stick with today, which I'm kind of looking at some others right now, but Python is the core, yeah. just because of how widely it's supported amongst the libraries, amongst the community. You can do a lot, in the flexibility that you have flexibility, with Python. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's but,
0: interesting, isn't it? Because I think a lot of people go through. Particularly in the open source, people go through different tooling to to try and get to the place where they're most comfortable. They'll they'll look at the they'll look at the Ansibles. They'll they've probably have looked at some stage at Puppet and Chef and 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 all of the the kind of kind of orchestration rather rather than programmability because it's it's about the getting to a point where you're comfortable with with being able to achieve something with the with the minimum possible. Um, outlay of of or expenditure of of resource, right? So to be able to go, ah, I just need something to do something. But then you very quickly get to a point, I think, where actually that flexibility becomes more important. Right, and often people just end up naturally in a Python, nor uh, you know, dis- not descending into that level, but but having to to go to that level of detail. You
1: know. Look, looking back, I took the long road. If I was starting over, I probably would have started with Ans- Ansible because yep. it's more declarative rather than Python is more imperative. Imper- so you got to tell yep. Python not only what you wanted to do, but actually how or to, how do, to it. do it. How to do it? Code for that. But in something like Ansible or, or Terraform, you just declare or define in the configuration what you wanted to do, and it does everything that it's supposed to do on its own. You don't have to tell it the steps to do it.
0: So you just you just said you just slipped something in there. Um, you mentioned uh, the magic word terraform right, which again, from in that traditional network automation sense, people don't tend to talk about terraform a lot, right only once the the cloud door is opened right um, primarily because it was used as a as a way of building cloud infrastructure right initially um. Do you want to just fill us in a little bit more on that? Is that is that is there anything more to to say or? Yeah, man, we,
1: we can go on and on about <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> the first time I started using Terraform was when I yeah. um got introduced to ACI. Right. You know, I started using ACI. We oh, trying to automate into ACI, and then yep. I was like, you know what? Let me try out this Terraform because somebody on the DevOps team had mentioned it to me, and I was like, oh, this is amazing. You know, I started building subnets, building um, um, bridge domains, all of this inside of ACI with Terraform. It's an infrastructure as code tool. So your infrastructure is entirely in code. When you're when you're um, automating to the cloud, now you know exactly what your VPCs that you have in the cloud. You know the EC2 instances that you have in the cloud. All of this is defined in a configuration or a state file that you can then lock. So if anybody tries to automate any changes that go against the state that you already have locked that you it they won't be allowed to automate those right. changes through terraform you have a lot of capability in this
0: so so just just help me a little bit there so so what you're saying is you're able to create um, an abstraction I guess of the state the, the end state that you're looking for in the uh, in your infrastructure whether that's on-prem or off-prem all cloud, is that fair? I mean, yes. I guess you talked about ACI, right? So that's that's mm-hmm. on-prem. It's cloud um, and on-prem.
1: So right. underneath, when we start talking about Terraform, hmm. it it uses API calls. Yeah. The, the concept of providers is only an API call. So it's okay. communicating with the API. If there's a provider built, it communicates directly with the API of whatever platform that you want to communicate with. And the, if you don't know what an API is, that's the application programming interface look at it look at it as a a middleman or a middle woman between the platform that you want to automate and then the code that you're pushing to the the api the api is what handles all of that traffic to get routed to let's say create an interface shut down the interface the api kind of handles all that sure
0: so um you can basically create these providers then for for anything that, that that handles a uh, an api so so i guess like you say aci um, controller driven therefore there's an api um, yeah. cloud networks uh, controller driven so there's there's an api there yeah. um and i guess this is this is the thing isn't it i i know that the that the cloud providers often have their own tooling that you can use to spin up um and automate their own their own infrastructure but terraform yeah. I guess then is multi-vendor, it's kind of vendor-agnostic
1: tool for for that purpose. Right. So you can use it in the cloud, and then you can also use it on-prem.
0: Yeah. So that, that and, and multi-multi-cloud as well, I guess. Right. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't care so long as you've got the right providers for for Terraform. So right. so we we kind of answered that that question then. I guess of of what the difference would be between doing an on-prem. Automation and a, a, a cloud base, because of the API-driven nature, because of this idea of of creating this this declarative view of of what you want the infrastructure to look like, and so and so the, the provider, I guess, just just makes makes that, that happen, right, based on on the uh, on the data that's that's sitting in the um, what did, what would you call it the the, um, the inventory. Um, are you talking about the, configuration right. file, the state file? In the state, yeah, yeah, right.
1: The configuration file, the right? Okay. Configuration file, okay. So like, then it creates that state file once you, once it, once you Terraform apply. You kind
0: kind of, kind of, right? Okay. So it kind of renders, renders the state and then right. and then pushes it through through the API. Right. Okay. So it does are there ways of dealing with traditional networking infrastructure? with Terraform as well, would you be able to, let's say you had a, I don't know, a Cisco um, Nexus um, data center as well, and you wanted to push stuff, not 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 through ACI, but through command line. Is there a way of doing that with, with Terraform that you know? Or? I would have to check
1: on providers, that part? Yeah. I'm not sure. For something okay. like that, I would either use Ansible or Python. Right for your, for your i guess
0: I guess what I'm getting at is is then the because obviously the the next things as as we know, right. not everyone is going completely hundred percent cloud right that's that that we we kind of started down that path, and I think people realize quite you know hey how, how expensive it might be, but also how restrictive that that would also be. Yeah. So, so now that that hybrid approach of having some some on-prem, so mostly cloud-based, potentially multi-cloud, seems to be the way that people are driving. So it's, a, I, I guess it's ultimately what you want to be able to do is is automate that as one, really, isn't it? And and kind of kind of create that that
1: service of so, multi-cloud. Sorry, go on. I can give you uh, like a, a great use case. Um, go for it. In, in one of my roles, we had like ACI, yeah. which is API driven. So all of the data that you return or request from ACI is gonna be structured in JSON. Right. But if you're dealing with SSH, that data is not structured. You're gonna yeah. to have to parse that data with like regular expressions. And so what we did was we built a NoSQL Mongo database, use our ACI. I used like NetMeco or something to gather that data, parse it the way we want, put it in MongoDB, and now you have your entire inventory, interface information, um, route table information, ACLs, you name it, you can put it in a database. And now since Mongo actually allows an API that comes back structured in JSON, you query Mongo to get the information that you want from your devices, and rather than having all of your network engineers create devices try to parse these devices sure we just talk to the mongo database to get the information to say okay what is the um bgp information for this device etc you
0: know so so would that then you'd have a provider for terraform for for mongo right is is that that
1: how it might you work build, you could build it you could build it yourself right
0: right right right, right. yes yeah, so again i'm just just trying to piece the piece the thing together really to understand right. it. And obviously we're pushing Terraform as a as a particular thing because that's the experience you've had. Are there any any other tools that are similar or, or, or have a um uh, th- that you could also use?
1: You, so we have CloudFormation at AWS, right. which is if you're building on AWS, CloudFormation allows you to create stacks right. to build out your infrastructure. But a great thing about using cloud formation when we start talking about hybrid networking, is the AWS solutions library. A big thing in software development is don't repeat yourself.
0: Yeah, obviously.
1: Right? And the same thing applies to solutions in code. If there's something, an idea that you have, there may be already a library created that does exactly what you need it to do, rather than you trying to write the code yourself. Sure. So the same thing applies to your infrastructure. There may be someone that already configured the infrastructure exactly what you want your infrastructure configured. And so at, at this point, you check the AWS solution library to see if somebody else has created a CloudFormation formation template for that. Yeah. yeah. The template, load up the stack, and now your infrastructure, you just do the configurations how you want it at that point. I see.
0: And and that's, I guess, the, the beauty of, of an automation approach generally, isn't it? Is that that your Able to template things, to share those templates, and to and to uh, uh, kind of kind of works from a community basis, right? Because if you get the right community of people together who've done done the things that you're interested in. Then uh, you're able to to uh, to share that amongst the the community as well. Yeah, right. awesome. Which of course leads us very neatly on. And and unfortunately, Andy who could, wasn't able to join us today, but Andy of course has set up a little Slack group of of exactly this people who are doing cloud automation, right? Yes. Um, which is which is great. I don't know. Have you had much chance and opportunity to uh, to mill around in there and meet some people? Yes, I mean,
1: it's growing. It's growing every day. Yeah. Andy really passionate about cloud network automation and he's he's done some great things internally and externally um i'm i'm happy to be work, working for him and learning from him yeah yeah uh,
0: yeah really unfortunately he's just too busy automating clouds for today so he wasn't able to join us but uh <laughs> but yeah hoping we'll we'll get him on again later and what we'll do is we'll share links for the for the slack group and everything with the uh the notes for this so uh, so that people are able to, to to join up because it's um yeah, it's it's a busy resource and and lots of interesting folk doing some really cool things in there. So uh, I know I've spent a bit of time in there. Um, I'm now thinking of all the opportunities that we've got for integrating IP Fabric APIs into this <laughs> stuff. But that's just me. So yeah, I, so, yeah. Um, uh, this, this isn't a sales pitch at this point. It's all, it's all good. Um, I'm just checking. We've got a couple of questions um, which have come in, but I'm just checking. I think we've actually answered them along the way. Um, we've talked about managing cloud networks from different vendors. So so I guess, I mean, we've talked about, uh, I mentioned AWS specifically, but with obviously Azure, um, Google, um, Alibaba, all of these are going to have providers in Terraform, right, that you're able to... To take advantage of, um, so that's all cool. And then uh, the other question we've got was, um, do we? Uh, interesting. So talking about using um, uh, APIs to manage all the different multi-vendor networks, or if there's a kind of framework to abstract those, I don't know if there's uh, anything there that you've you've stumbled across at all where it uh, um, where you're able to, for example, create an object and and then. That same object is uh, could be created in AWS or it could be created in Azure, but but it's abstracted away. Is that?
1: I guess uh, Terraform, I, I believe, kind of does that.
0: Right. I guess that's exactly what i was thinking. Is is that actually from the way you've described it, that's 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 pretty much. You, it.
1: Once you have your providers, then at that point you can start building re- resources. Right. So you would just have different um, different uh, modules. Uh-huh. Depending on what you want to deploy, so if you want to deploy a VPC, you create a module, or yep. you find a module that's already created to deploy the VPC. Right, and as long as you have providers installed, at that point you you just build your code however you, how you it want. Just, it just
0: right, and it, and it will just go ahead and and build build it wherever you want it to be built right. with the. The credentials and the logins and the accounts and all that sort of good stuff, right? Yeah, no, that uh, that makes a great deal of sense. I I think that pretty much answers the questions that I can see at the moment. But um, I guess is is there anything else that you would like to point out? I mean, you've already mentioned that you're looking to do some content, which is always a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. So because duan content is always always good to see.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but anything else that you'd like to to sort of just uh,
1: just mention? I think it's important, one of the things we didn't miss, we didn't talk about was testing. It's important to test your code, test, test, test. Um, There's testing frameworks like unit test in Python, PyTest in Python, there's PyATS. Testing is very important. And so when we start talking about automating, creating pipelines that have tests built in that, you can automate the end result or manually do check the tests once they've been um have been run having those pipelines in place is a real um key into a successful automated deployment in your infrastructure so i got a couple resources i know from reinvent 2021 i get these to you there there's yeah, a great. net devops a modern approach to aws network deployments that's a great talk as well as Eric Cho, he has a uh, LinkedIn learning course that he just released that uh, engineers yes. um, where he talks about the entire process of Net DevOps, which I believe having a strong uh, understanding of DevOps before you even talk about Net DevOps is important. And he kind of covers all of that. So I those see. two resources will be give you the big picture approach to how to apply automation in your organization.
0: That's that's perfect, and and again, we'll pop those links in the uh, in the notes after. But uh, yeah, Eric stuff, always good. It's always good to uh, to to hear what Eric's got to say because he's uh, he's uh, definitely a man on a mission. So uh, yeah, that's great stuff. Um, I think, my friend, I'm looking at the time. I don't want to keep you too long, but it's it's great as always to talk. Um, I guess the only question is, um, where can people get hold of you, Duan?
1: But thank, thank you, Darren and IP Fabric for having me on today. It's been awesome. Thank you to the community for joining us. You you can contact me at Lab Every Day on every platform and
0: life with on LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time, mate. It's always good to talk, and we'll uh, we'll definitely talk again soon. And uh, yeah, we'll um, hopefully see you again. Thanks very much. Yeah, thank you.